It was the first hobby I ever had that I couldn't wait to go out and buy things for. You know, my friends, they'd buy four-wheelers and hunting leases and spend thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars on their hobby. Yeah. Welcome to Creating Community with Dorian and Jake, a podcast designed to bring area leaders, business owners, and other interesting people together to better our community. I'm your co-host, Jake Starkey. And I'm your other co-host, Dorian Strickland. We're the owners of 1820 Marketing and 1820 Coffee House in the heart of Alvin, Texas. Our goal with this podcast is to showcase the amazing people, businesses, and organizations we have in and around Brazoria County. So, if you know someone who should be highlighted, email us at info at 1820marketing.com and let us know. Today we are back at the Alvin Manville Area Chamber of Commerce in downtown Alvin. The goal of the Alvin Manville Area Chamber of Commerce is to grow and support local businesses, and you can find out more about them later in the show. Our other sponsor is Texas Snowfruit, which wants you to know that they are open year-round and has natural flavors for your enjoyment. You can also learn about them later in the show as well. As our listenership is increasing, and if you're a first-time listener, we would love for you to subscribe using your favorite podcast app. Creating Community with Dorian and Jake is available wherever you get your podcasts, or you can listen directly at 1820marketing.com slash podcast. In this episode, we're talking with Don Williams. He's the founder, owner, and operator of Don's Pottery. Don's a retired aircraft rescue firefighter whose wife didn't want him sitting around in retirement, so Don started Don's Pottery. We'll get more into the specifics of how he got started and what he's doing moving forward but welcome to the show, Don. Thank you, Dorian. It's glad to be. I'm really happy to be here. And Jake, yeah, it's nice seeing y'all again. Good to see you too. Well, we should mention that he's won the trivia night. His team has won the trivia night twice. At the I think shop. two yeah. times in a row, right? Twice. Yeah, y'all set us up for failure when you went Disney. Uh, oh trivia, no! And <laughs> the ladies showed up in the Mickey Mouse hats, and I knew we were dead in the water. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think they're the ones that won. It no, was, but it I, was uh, Jamie Scafidi mm-hmm. and his family won because he brought his daughter, who <laughs> yeah. had been to Disney World tons of times. So yeah, shout his, out to Jamie and his family. Yeah, his son also works at Disney. So that oh, was a load well, of it's yeah, it's we were yeah. we didn't have a ringer for that one. No. Yeah, and for anybody that doesn't <laughs> know, we recently had you weren't there, but we did have a trivia night where everybody took on Jake and Dorian. Oh well, that would be fun. And Jake and Dorian won. Well. That's right. <laughs> They're not going to live that down for a whole month. Yes, exactly. So we've got to have somebody come out. We won't be participating next time. We'll be uh, asking the questions again like we did before. So And you can show us up. Well, I'd like to try. It's right. a lot, that's kind of something I enjoy doing. It is, it is fun. I think we, we get a lot of enjoyment out of it as well. Yeah, it's useless information is my Correct. thing. It's never going to do me any good in life, but uh, I, don't, and I don't know why I know it. I just do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of us like that. I think yeah. that's why we did all right. Uh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. So th- give us a little bit of your history. Where did you grow up? I was born in uh, a little place outside of St. Louis. St. Anne, Missouri is where we lived uh, for my first eight years. I was a product of the baby boom. So we had a neighborhood full of kids. I had I have four brothers and sisters. So when my dad got transferred to uh, Houston in 1970, we lost a third of the neighborhood, five kids wow. gone in, in one fell swoop. So the kids are looking at each other like, well, now what are we going to do for? Well, the good news there is you had all your friends when you got here. Well, yeah. I don't okay, know well, if, I, okay. I don't know if I'd call my older brothers and sisters my friends at the time. They were, uh, 
I was their source of entertainment. So you're the youngest of the five? <laughs> Second youngest. Second. <laughs> uh, I've got a nine, brother who's nine years younger than me. Okay. And he was born, coincidentally, in 1971. Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, so Texas. So, so he's the one that moved. That was born in Texas? He was, he's the Texan. A right. part of uh, Texas, did you say? Uh, here, I grew up in southwest Houston in Westbury. Okay. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Back during the 70s, that was kind of the place to be. It was like... Uh, the Sienna Plantation at the time, where they had nice, nice little shops in Westbury Square. Yeah. So, was, uh, what did your dad do that caused you guys to move here? He was he worked for a medical supply company and okay. did cataloging for them, and they just felt like he needed to be here more than he needed to be in St. Louis, which was sad for my mom, right? Because she grew up there. That's all she knew, and all of her friends were there. But as a time when dad leaves, mom and the family go to right. so. Everybody follows. Yeah. yeah, this was it was a pretty much of a culture shock. I didn't even know what a Yankee was until I moved down here, <laughs> and uh, I didn't know anything about football. And oh, the wow. kids in the neighborhood had all been playing football since they were three. So right, <laughs> you know, I was the guy that got picked last most. You of had the some time, catching but, up to do, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah, but uh, it was it was fun growing up in Southwest Houston. We okay. it was very uh, different but fun. Lady okay. next door had horses, and so she'd let me feed and ride the horses. Right, and that was my my happy place as a child was going to the to the stables on Post Oak and feeding the horse and petting them and grooming them and, and okay. riding them occasionally. Oh, wow. Well, I tell you what, we mentioned at the top of the show that you're a retired aircraft rescue firefighter. Tell, yes. tell us what that is. It uh, we cover the crash rescue for the pilots and and passengers at. at who land and take off at airports uh, and any incidents uh, at the buildings around the airport. We're restricted mainly to the airfield area operations. And what we, our motto is you crash, we dash. (laughs) So, (laughs) all right. How did you get into that? Did you know you always wanted to be a firefighter or did it just come about? No, my best friend was a firefighter and he was alpha. I'm not alpha. <laughs> okay. He he was, you know, he's full throttle on everything. And he's telling me, Donnie, he says, you need to join the fire department. Because he was in the fire department. Right. It's fun for him because sure. he likes chasing he's lights an and sirens. Yeah. He's an alpha guy. I'm a fireman. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, right. but, uh, and so you tagged along. Well, no, not exactly. I, I knew that I didn't want to live in Houston. Okay. When I was 18, I didn't know what I wanted to do. All I knew is that I didn't want to live in Houston. Right. And uh, my brother was in the Army. My other brother was in the Air Force. My, I went to see my brother in the Army, and I said, well, that looks like a lot of work. And my other brother <laughs> in the Air Force said, you know, it's, it's not really a lot of work. It's, it's, it's six weeks of basic training, and that's not fun. But uh, after that, it's it, a regular after job. That, it, more or less, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I only had to camp out one weekend when I my whole four and a half years Okay, so, so you went Air Force as well? I went Air Force, yes. And that's where I got my experience. Uh I tried to, I thought about going to college. I spent a year trying to figure out what I wanted to do yeah. with my life. So what, <laughs> the straw that bro, I have buddies that, you know, how your friends are. Yeah. Uh, they're, every time I wanted to go, since the drinking age was 18, every time I said, I think I'm going to go in the military, they said, let's go drinking. So, <laughs> yeah. so we would go out drinking. We'd talk about, cause we all didn't know what we were going to do with our lives either. And, uh, my buddy Dave said, uh, Don, I got it. We're going to be shrimp farmers. <laughs> and I could make a movie out of that, right? <laughs> I said, okay. I said, that does it. You know, my other buddy, Scott, he was, uh, he was 
going to college up in uh, Stephen F. Austin, and he said, this place is is hell. I want to go. I'm coming back home to Houston. I oh, said, wow. Make a long story short, as short as I can make it. I signed on dotted line. I said, you got uh, firefighters? They said, yep. I said, that's what I want to do, since I didn't know what I wanted to do. And wow. I wanted to be paid to learn instead of having to pay to do something. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. Where did you end up getting stationed? Well, my first assignment, okay, we had in the military, they have what they call dream sheets. Right. <laughs> and so I put all places in Texas or places that were familiar to me because Our I was Hawaii. an 18-year-old yeah, kid. Yeah. You know, it's a dream sheet, <laughs> so you might as well dream big. Sure. And it happened to be overseas month when I was in tech school. So I got my assignment to Spangdalem Air Force Base in Spangdalem, Germany. Wow. And uh, wow. Yeah. So your first duty station was in Germany. Yes. Wow. wow. Yes. And it was a great assignment. I had a good time. I had culture shock, of course. Right. But uh, And, you know, if I was to go back now versus an 18-year-old, I'd probably spend a lot more time on the autobahn and seeing stuff, seeing the sure. tourist things instead of the gas houses and right and yeah it, but it was a great thing i got to see trier germany home of you know one of the and it's it, it's not a uh it's not a remote station it's no. close enough to that you're there. so how long were you there two years two years okay and then wow. where did you end up after that after that i got a reass i got uh, my assignment for brooks air oh, force base san in san antonio nice. yep they nicknamed brooks sleepy hollow at the yes. time because it was a and it was a nice assignment. It was quiet, flew under the radar there, uh, worked with great people. And one of four or five branch uh, uh, facilities at the time. Yes. At the at the time, they were actually doing the studies for Agent Orange Okay, uh, from the Vietnam veterans. Wow. Got you. And also they were uh, experimenting with, they were studying medical uh, okay. issues. Uh Things like anthrax, you know, developing right. ways to combat. So was it called BAMC at the time, or you guys just called it Brook Army Medical? We call it Brooks Air Force okay. Base. We, Brooks. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I was stationed down the road at San Antonio. Okay. At uh, Randolph Air Force Base. So oh, yeah. Closest one to Brooks without being at Brooks. <laughs> well, when I was there, we, we actually got to uh, compete in a uh, military Air Force firefighters uh, competition. Yeah. And uh, we... You know, Brooks showed up. It was our first year, and we nice. trained. We trained for it, and we placed. Uh, we we walked away with there were six events, and we walked away with three trophies. Not never first. We came close. Yeah, to first, but uh, just ran out of gas. We got second in the tug of war competition where yeah. you shoot water. It was fun. Shoot sure. water at a barrel, and each side shooting, and of course, wetting down each other. And <laughs> of course, doing yeah. what firefighters do. Fun times. It, right? it was. It was a lot of fun. It was a good oh. day. So with the, I'm assuming between civilian and military firefighting, there's a lot of overlap, but is there anything that kind of stuck out to you that makes firefighting in the military or on a base different than say, you know, in Houston? Well, uh, in Houston, they see a lot more fires and a lot, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just, they run a lot. We did not because uh, on a military base, you control the environment. So we had yeah. an aggressive inspections program is as you would know, being on an Air Force base, right. uh, very aggressive. Yeah. The Army, not so much, but the Air Force was very aggressive in their inspections. Sure. So it was rare that we had a fire, and they're very big on maintenance, too. So it was rare. Uh, Lots but, of drills, though. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, man. We did. We drilled. And we had, uh, in Germany, we did alerts where we'd have a week of war games, which they don't have in the – their their war games are fighting with the 
city council on on right. funding. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <for laughs> so sure, yeah. those are the and and equipment. Yeah. We didn't have those kind of issues that I remember. So one of the things I've heard about firefighters is that that I've heard firefighters say is that there's always one fire that you experience that kind of scares you a little bit. Like you might get, you might be used to it. And this is from a firefighter that worked in Houston for years that you're used to it. It's a routine. It's always dangerous, but you're kind of prepared for it. And he said, there's always one that you go, mm, I'm not so sure about this one. Did you have that experience on a base or again, I understand much more controlled environment. It wasn't life-threatening, but it was really unexpected, and it was during a tropical storm. At one point, UPS, actually there were two, one in Germany and one at, at Brooks, or uh, I'm sorry, one at Ellington. But we had a uh, tropical storm blew in, and there were 40, 50-mile-an-hour gusts, and it was raining mm-hmm. so hard that it was raining sideways. And you walk outside, and you literally, well, you know how it gets yeah. here in Houston. We couldn't literally walk outside and not see our hand in front of our face. Wow. And at the time, we got off work at 7, and at 6.30, it's pouring down rain, and the crash bell rings. And I said, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the report was a, a UPS plane, 767, had flown off the runway or wow. landed and skidded off the runway and you know open the stall doors and where is it <laughs> we can't see it and and yeah. we didn't see it until basically we were right they, they gave us wow. a point on the runway where it was and sure enough we we found it and it was it was uh raining so hard that that it wasn't gonna if, if it rained it was if it, if it was on fire it was gonna go out pretty quick right but it just shocked me that that anything was even daring to try to fly in that mess yeah. but i guess ups has a schedule right well yeah. the only fatalities fortunately with that i think they had a crates of about a hundred thousand lobsters that, that were oh scheduled gosh. for delivery and and the lobsters didn't make it but the pilots they got out okay the crew did and wow. nobody got hurt i'm grateful for that yeah and then in germany we're standing outside and uh planes there's two f4s taking off they usually took off in in pairs and and one of them was leaving had afterburners on and there was a big fireball behind him i looked at him and said wow i don't think that's supposed to happen <laughs> that doesn't look right <laughs> it doesn't look right and uh sure enough the crash bells rang and it turned oh. out it jettisoned his uh fuel tank and the oh. afterburner caught it wow <laughs> and uh he turned around and landed fortunately safety and yeah. safely and we went out scrambling to look for the plane but we had all we saw was the the, the fuel tank and right we did get to talk to the pilot and i just looked at him and said bet you weren't expecting that and he said oh no not at all right yeah so well, well let's let's flip over to the family side did you meet your wife while you were in the military or <laughs> wow well i knew that's my wife that's not what i was looking for but i knew my wife when okay. i met her actually when we were in junior high school and we oh, wow. we traveled in circles and and would say hi and were polite and she was in one of my classes when we got to high school we both went to westbury high school and her name's rebecca and her right? name's rebecca and uh Again, we were friendly to each other sure. at school, but but I was scared to death of girls. It's my my best friend let me know. He'd let the girls know too. Donnie's afraid of girls because he's the alpha. Because he's alpha, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it just made his job of picking up girls that much easier. I bet it did. So anyway, so I left for the military, and I was home on leave probably 1985. All right, and I was home on leave, and the strategy is me and my buddy from 
when I was in high school, Scott Ewell, we were we were going to go pick up all the broken-hearted girls from the George Strait concert. Oh. That was the big plan. <laughs> okay. At and, least you thought it out. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we went to play. I think it was Wild West. All right. I happened to be having a really good night. And so we saw some girls we went to high school with, and Rebecca was one of them. And we danced and talked. And I had just gotten orders for a uh, TDY to Egypt. Oh. And neither one of us were looking for a relationship. Was Cairo? Is that where you're headed? Uh, somewhere around Cairo. Yeah. Somewhere north of Galveston, if you've ever seen that <laughs> yeah. movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what movie it was, but it was uh, Uncommon that's, Valor, I think. Yeah, that's Jake's domain. <laughs> Sorry, my dad tells that joke. <laughs> you know what? Or that story, yes. Uh, he, yes. It's like north of Galveston, Texas, and it's like these mountains. <laughs> was, yeah, but anyway. Uh, way north. Way, way north. So... We decided to, we went out a couple of times and we decided that we would stay in touch. And I wrote letters from Egypt and uh, she wrote letters back. Mail only went out once a week. Right. So, so for those that aren't, those, those young listeners, 85 is right before the military really jumped on the email bandwagon because that was around 91, was, 92. <laughs> yeah, there was no email. Exactly. So, in fact, we got a five minute morale call once a week and wow. the phones were absolute. And I had to pick and choose who I was going to call. So, I rotated <laughs> it back and forth between my parents and, and Rebecca. Okay. And I would call and I would be talking and then there would be an echo. So, I would have to wait for the echo to subside oh, so yes. that I wasn't answering my own questions. It's a, if you've ever been in a, on a phone, I know yes. it's a struggle as real young kids out there. We, we us cold warriors had to deal with right. stuff that you can only imagine. But anyway, the echo was, was oh, really yeah, annoying. All right. But so you're on TDY. You're keeping TDY, in touch with her. Keeping in touch. Our letters were 18 pages long because we'd write a letter a you day. A week. Yeah, for a yeah, week. Yeah. And after we got back, after I got back, we dated. We fell in love and we decided that we'd get married. And so we did. Wow. We dated for about 11 months, and Gage got, I asked her to marry me the day I got out of the military. Oh, December, wow. December 19th, 1985. Wow. Nice. Okay. Wow. And then uh, cool. fast forward, you have two kids. Yep. Son and a daughter. Mm-hmm. All right. Jacob just turned 30. Nice. Okay. And we know Alyssa from. Y'all know Alyssa from uh, Weekly Shaved Ice. Yeah. <laughs> Although yeah. Texas Snowford is our sponsor. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> but no, Alyssa comes in and we hang out with her at the coffee shop. And Yeah, it's a good relationship. Yeah. It's there. There's no animosity, I, I don't think. No. We have the same philosophy that there's not really competition. It is we work together. and No one drives by weeklies to come to Texas Snowford. And no one drives past Texas Snowford to go to weeklies. Right. Just, I get it because, I, I mean, I, when we go to pottery sales, I have uh, 11 other potters with me. We're all yeah. selling pottery, but it's different. Mm-hmm. And for clarification, he's saying pottery. Pottery. <laughs> yes. No, not that's that's. I was totally asked. Different. I was asked to make a, uh, but that's. I can. We can get to that later. <laughs> I've been asked to make paraphernalia, and it's just not my thing. Yeah, um, no, no, I can see that. But I did find out that I could do it if I wanted. <laughs> I do that's have that right. skill okay, set. That seems like a. <laughs> it seems like a good place to take a break, and yes. uh, when we come back, we'll get into pottery. And uh, all the different things that he's made with it. <laughs> Hi, this is Christina with Texas Snowfruit. We're a shave ice company located in Scopel Square in the heart of Alvin. Stop by and see us or visit us on our website at texassnowfruit.com. Hi, this is Carrie Perrin, president and CEO of the Alvin Manville Area Chamber of Commerce. Here at the Chamber, we want to support local businesses. 
We want to give you visibility in the community. We want to give you opportunity in the community. And for those of you that aren't business owners, we want to let you know about all our wonderful chamber members. And if you support them, you support our community. So remember, whether you're a business or a community member, when you eat, shop, play, and support local business, you support the community. And we're back. Before the break, we were talking about the stuff that you can make in pottery. But before we get there, let's talk about how you got into pottery in the first place. So you took a class at ECC, is that right? Yes. Uh, Dennis LaValley was instructor. He's he was. I actually took art classes from him when Alyssa and Jacob were toddlers. Oh, okay. And I was on the 20-year plan for my associate's degree, which I finally got. Nice. <laughs> um, congratulations yes, on that. Congratulations. <laughs> but what happened was Alyssa was taking classes for her design degree. I had just gotten, my mom had dementia and she lived with us for about three years. Okay. And she was my full-time job basically for, yeah. for when I was off. And so once she passed away and uh, the fire department had run its course and I knew when a buddy of mine and I are trying to raise a 36-foot extension ladder, he's 40 and I was 52, <laughs> and the ladder's hundreds of pounds. And we right. looked at each other, and I was got as big as silver dollars, but we managed to raise it. But I said, this is it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I sure. think it's time to step off gracefully. Yeah. So, so, well, and your wife was happy that you were retiring and going to spend all the time at home. Oh, she loved it. No, <laughs> she told me she said, "I'm not going to. I'm not. You're not going to retire if all you're going to do is sit around and watch the History Channel all day." And she says, "You always like to do creative stuff. Why don't you go take a lesson with Alyssa over at the college?" And I said, "Okay." So I, I was scared to death. I don't yeah. know why. It's just clay and it's just people. And if you uh, screw it up, you screw it up. Screw it up. Yeah. It's not a big deal. So I walked in. Looked around and there were some old people in there, and I said, "Well, I feel a little better." But they're all looking at me like, "What's he doing here?" And I, was, you know, the voices you hear that tell you not to do something or yeah. you can't do something, or you know, it's, it's you're doing it because it's fun. So, so what if you can't do it? Right. And yeah. uh, about halfway since Dennis knew me, Dennis Valley knew me from previously going there. He said about halfway into the semester, he says, "So, Don," he says, uh, "You're getting ready to retire in a couple of years. What do you want to do?" I looked up, I smiled at him, I said, I have a big puddle of water around me and a wonky little pot. And I looked, I said, I want to do this. This is fun. Wow. <laughs> he just kind of laughed. But I, I found myself as that like, I was like a 52-year-old annoying little kid who wouldn't <laughs> go away, wouldn't leave the studio until I was right. huh. forced out. Come on, Don, the cleaning lady's coming. We got to lock up for the night type of attitude. It was the first hobby I ever had that I couldn't wait to go out and buy things for you know my friends oh, wow. would, they'd buy four wheelers and hunting leases and spend thousands if not tens of thousands of dollars on their hobby yeah and you're buying kilns and, and not yet not yet <laughs> <laughs> no um what happened was i ended up volunteering dennis one of the things that's great about the college is they have programs where they'll bring they'll let special needs kids come in and right. and work on the pottery wheel and play in the clay and he has if I would have known about a field trip like this and I, when I was in high school, I would have jumped on it. But okay. uh, they'll bring in buses from the art departments of local high schools. Oh, yeah. And uh, sit them down with some, some orange juice and some donuts from the local vendors. Sure. And Dennis will give them a little demonstration and then he'll break them up into groups. And one of the groups will do hand building projects and the other group will be on the wheel. He's got 12 wheels, so they split them up pretty even. Uh, but he needs helpers for that. And so I was getting good enough to the point where I could actually help 
with the kids on the wheel. Oh yeah. And uh, so I did that and I really, I, I just had fun doing that. And after they were done, they'd get pizza for lunch for them and then they'd switch and then they'd go home on the bus and spent their whole day doing nothing but making pottery and eating pizza. Life's good. That's a good, yeah. that's a good field trip. Yeah. So, but I, I enjoyed helping with those classes yeah. and I got in and helping with them. It helped me learn, well, do I want to teach? I sure don't want to teach on a regular basis, but right. with doing it for private lessons, then the people are there because they want to they be there, be there right? and I'm mm-hmm. there because I want to be there. And I don't have to fill out a mountain of paperwork for things that have absolutely nothing to do Right. teaching pottery yeah how would you describe the type of pottery you do is there different types i mean there are, <laughs> yeah, i always resort back to the land before time when uh the triceratops girl says sarah she says three horns don't play with long necks and there are people who primarily like to do hand building projects and slab rolling and they don't want to have anything to do with the wheel and i happen to i love doing the wheel i don't mind doing slab projects i call them time eaters because I can make a coffee mug in a couple of Fairly minutes quick. versus if I was a hand building it, it would take me maybe 10, 15 minutes. So it's just, I lose it. I don't have the attention span that it takes to gauge when the clay is the right dryness. And answer your, cause there's, you can, it's a rabbit hole. It's like going through the looking glass in the world of ceramics. It's a really? hundred different ways you can go. There's, People that spend their whole career doing nothing but raku firing or alternative firings. Other people, they'll spend weeks carving on their pieces. Oh. But I'm not. I don't have that attention speed. I like. Uh, there's a technique called chattering that I like. It, it if it works, it works very fast. It's like uh, when you're a kid. Well, we're old enough to remember putting baseball cards in bicycle spokes. <laughs> yes. And so the the concept is similar in that the baseball cards hitting the spokes really fast and the chattering the uh pallet tool because that's what it's made with a banding strip from a pallet okay is touched against a a piece of leather hard or semi-dry clay and run down it really quick and it bounces back and forth like a sewing machine needle and creates these really nice patterns but if you didn't know what it was you think wow he spent hours doing that no i spent about 30 seconds (laughs) doing that and it either works or it doesn't so it takes years uh, of practice to be able to do it probably where it resembles something quality i would probably cut it in half well i would use the saw and just it does i like to say uh with anything, any any professional job, whether you're an accountant, an artist, a baseball player, an athlete, it takes a lot of effort to make something look effortless. Right, yes. And when people come to my shop, they have visions of grandeur. I'm going to make this really tall vase, beautiful, symmetrical vase. And I say, you know, there's a reason why I give you two pounds of clay to work <laughs> with, and you're about to find out. My main goal when people come in is for them to have fun, though. Right. It's a it's an introductory lesson. I don't so is your, the wheel that's spinning around, is it electric? Is it foot-driven? What do you do? They I've, they have kick wheels. They have, you can make a pottery wheel out of just about anything around. If you look on YouTube, you can see guys that are making pottery wheels out of an old tire wheel and, okay, really? and a stick. Hmm. And they get it spinning. And they, Oh, yeah. But uh, mine is a Shimpo electric wheel. It's got uh, a foot control for the speed similar to a sewing machine pedal okay but they also have hand kick wheels that uh, are foot pedal driven like a sewing similar to a sewing machine it's a kicking motion 
And and that triggers how fast it spins. Yes, uh, there and how fast it spins, and there are some exceptions. To the rule are are based on there's what I like to call a sweet spot for when I throw that. If you go too slow, then you might as well join the hand builders and build make coil yeah. pots. But uh, if you go too fast, then you lose control of your project, and things happen good or things happen bad in a hurry. At the wheel, I have seen that. You know, you know, you see people, and it's spinning too fast, and the top, the top of the pot or whatever they're building just kind of. Well, yeah, and and a beginner doesn't know why it's happening, so they don't know how to control it. Yeah, but uh, and that's what I was going to say was I don't know if that's because it's spinning too fast, or they leaned on it, or get crooked, or what. It it, a lot of times it happens because they tried to press too hard, too fast, and there's I've learned some things. There are a hundred different ways to do each of the things, but there are certain principles or fundamental things that regardless of the technique you use, the the things you do are get it centered. Everything that I do at the wheel is linear. I I go in a straight line either up, straight up, straight out, or diagonal, but it's always linear. And yeah. it's always I'm always following a a rhythm. I always tell my students, your speed's the same, your rhythm's the same. The only thing that changes is the amount of pressure you apply and where you apply it. And with parents that have young kids, I always say, it's, you know, it's like raising your kids. You apply pressure until they do what you want them to do, and then you stop. Wow. Uh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah. Uh, that's, it seems kind of mean, but that's, they get it. Right. Yeah, no, that it, makes sense. And so. How many people are typically in a class when you're teaching, and how often do you teach classes? I do. Uh, my classes are by appointment only. All of my classes are private. Oh, wow. Um, so if you come into my class, it's just going to be Dorian or just going to be Jake, and it's going to be a private class. Or if the two of you decided to have date night. <laughs> we will not. We will not. <laughs> it would just be the two of you. I, I don't work wow. well with large groups okay. of people. I get tunnel vision. I will do large groups. Mary Smith can testify to, to that. Studio, that uh, right? she, she liked to have, you know, I, there's people who seek greatness. and there She are people likes who have, classes, yeah. Yes, and there are people who have greatness thrust upon them. Well, Mary would have me do workshops with the kids. Right. And I like to say with kids, uh, I'm a sprinter. I'm good for short sure. distances and short gotcha. times, but uh, I would when when I was at Gander and we were really picking up business and and the kids workshops over at Gander were were picking up and so Mary, how many kids am I having the clay, clay workshop this week? We're gonna have twenty, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm like uh, Felix Unger and in, in I'm going, mm, <laughs> yeah, you know, where's a paper bag to breathe into to because I'm starting to hyperventilating and she's just relax, it'll be fine, right? Yeah. And so. All right, so you're offering individual classes, yes. and people can sign up how? They go to donspotteryshop.simplybook.me, right. and they click on the lesson they want. There's only two options right now, and that's the individual lesson or the uh, bring a friend slash date night lesson. Okay. So it's not they're not going to be a room full of people they don't know. I've Which is good for somebody that's nervous about going into this the first time. They don't have to worry about somebody maybe snickering in the corner or what they might be thinking they're thinking. Right, and and I gauge where they are, and I, I like to say that in my class I give them what I and it's I give them what I call a polite helping of each step of the process because I don't want them walking out of the I don't want them running out of my shop like Billy Madison in his elementary school class. I hate you and you and I hate everybody and I hate pottery. Yeah. I don't want that to happen. I want them to come. They're there because they want to try something new and they want to have fun with their friend. Right. 
And so my goal is for them to learn a little bit about pottery, have a sampling of each, and at the end of the night have something. I'll help them get to where they want to be. And I've had students at both ends of the spectrum on that. I want them to have a good time and to go away with it. I like to say, go, go away from my lesson with a, a wonky little pot and a good time. Right. Yeah. Not some wonky little pot in a good time, but a wonky little pot. I got pot. you. Well, you did mention that you have what you call the Island of Misfit Pots. Tell us what that is. Okay. The Island of Misfit Pots is there There are potters, in the, and it's okay that they, they do that, but there are some potters who they've worked hard at their craft, and I get it, and they charge accordingly for their, their pieces, but I don't. My pieces are mostly functional. I, I think that a guy uh, that works a blue collar job should ought to be able to take his wife out for a date without breaking any breaking the bank sure as and also he should be able to buy his wife something nice and affordable sometimes when i fire my stuff it doesn't play nice it <laughs> might have it might have a little air bubble that poked through and it got sanded down or it might have a little hairline crack where the handle of the, of the mug attaches it's still functional still safe still drinkable but it's not the quality that I want to have my name on, gotcha. but it's still something that somebody can use somewhere. So what I've decided to do is that, well, I don't want to, some potters will take a hammer and they'll smash their pieces. And, and that's, that's, wow. I, I can't, they just feel that way about it. It's, it ref, it's a reflection of who they are. Huh. I don't want my name associated with this right. because it's not my standards. Sure. But I've decided that what I'm going to do is uh, when I do a local craft show, is take what I call the Island of Misfit Pots. They're things that are, you can call them seconds if you like, but they've got some defect, or I just flat out don't like it. But, okay. But I've learned the hard way is that just because I don't like it, somebody else will sure. love it. Yeah. And that's what I tell myself when I see something. But what I do is is I, I set them off on a table, and I say proceeds from the sale of these are for donation. Pick a, you know, pick a pot, make a donation. Okay. And uh, all the funds from that particular table, and they'll be labeled as donation pieces. You just leave a suggested amount of money. I don't even put a price tag on them. You know, yeah. if, if uh, mom's there and her toddlers or her, you know, little kids, I want oh, to buy yeah. something. Right. Well, I think it was as little as a dollar on it. Just just a sure a dollar is better than nothing yeah. for for something that I was going to take a hammer to and smash it anyway. Absolutely. Right. And then that money, but goes and to that money mind. will go to a local charity, like you had mentioned. The uh, it was the Texas Cavalry. Oh yeah. So I just found out about that, and so when I did a, a sale down in Angleton, that was the first sale I did after the yeah. concept was building, and sure. so I was able to donate some money to the Texas Cavalry. Oh nice. And so at the one. Uh, I'm going to be doing in Surfside this coming weekend. The money's going to be going to the uh, bird sanctuary. Oh yeah, okay. Because it's huh. I want to keep it in the area. And uh, at Weeklies, they did one that was a a fundraiser for a local child that had cancer, and so the sales from the donation pots yeah. went there. Very and nice. I just think it's a better use of the pots. I've got a a uh, my nephew's wife loves succulents, and so. I've donated several succulents to her cause oh, of yeah. building her place of zen in her backyard. Sure. <laughs> and sure. she's glad to get them, and I'm glad that they're not sitting on my shelf collecting dust until I figure out what to do with them. Yeah. yeah. 
I get the impression from our discussion that you're a pretty big movie buff because you've mentioned several movies and you have the Island of Misfit Pots. So <laughs> is, is that a safe assessment? You're a movie buff? Some. I am okay. a little bit of a movie buff. Uh, I have my limits, and they're, I, I like to keep it close to PG-13 and under. Sure. And, and it can be re- if it's going to be rated R, it should be for a reason, and it should be for a purpose. But... I go to movies to escape, not to remind me right. of. of uh, I just saw the super or the uh, Spider-Man movie, and I oh, enjoyed yeah. that because uh, it, I didn't have to think a lot about it. I don't, I don't, you know, if they want to do the string theory and time-space continuum and yada yada, <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna overthink it. So they got that wrong. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but it was fun to watch. I, yeah, I do always find it funny when uh, people complain about like Superman movies or, or superhero movies. Sorry, and. Uh, it's like, well, they got this theory wrong on relativity. Really? Is, is that where we're going to go for our facts? Is and you're a relativity expert. Expert. Yeah. yeah. Well, I Googled it once, so, yeah. It, it must be accurate then, because yeah. not just anybody can put something on the web, right? Yeah. So, you go. how often do you do shows? We, my wife and I, That's that was our go-to date night before COVID hit, was we'd go to a movie, oh. and, and uh, most of the days, you pick a movie, I pick a movie, and... Sometimes we'll go to a serious movie, but most of the time we have the same taste in movies. We go for escape. We go for, my wife refer, refers to movies you don't have to think about as pure entertainment. Yeah, sure. And because you go away, you feel good, and it's predictable. Uh, we'll watch Hallmark movies today or on a regular basis. Yeah. And, you know, there are no plot twists in a Hallmark <laughs> movie. I'm sorry. There I wish there no, were. There's not. No. Yeah. But uh, there's not. And so it's just a matter of what make-believe country is the royal going to be from this week right but it's okay it's it's yeah. yeah uh but i do like i we like the the uh uh hero superhero movies oh, yeah. uh we like i'm not a big slapstick comedy but i do sure. i do like comedies I, okay yeah. and so if someone wanted to see where you're going to be out selling your pottery where would they go to your website uh no Facebook? i i'm the world's worst marketing guy and it's just i'm where i am in spite of that not because right. of it i i wish i was a great marketer because i'd right. be making a killing and but you do have a facebook page what do you put on the facebook i have page? a facebook i post pictures of what i do sometimes and occasionally okay. like for example this weekend i'm going to be down at the uh the surfside uh festival they're doing a chili oh, cook-off yeah. but they are doing That's also supposed to be a pretty big event well i hope so but um, weather might uh, i heard about it i do my uh this might be another idea for a podcast for okay. you. Is uh, I sell my stuff, uh, sell my stuff at the Dunk Ranch. Okay. In Manville, if you, are y'all familiar with the Dunk yeah. Ranch? Well, okay. Yes, I've been there. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And what happened was that Linda, the lady who runs it, I was friends with her from Scouts. Her and her husband Mark from okay. Scouts uh, years ago, but uh, and they lived around the corner from when we lived in Manville. And they started the Dunk Ranch, and she was just getting started, and I was out of business. I was shut down. She offered to sell some of my stuff for me okay. at the Dunk Ranch, and that's yeah. how I got involved there. And okay. I'll do occasional sales there. And I'm I'm associated with a group called the Saltgrass Potters, who have been mm-hmm. in the in the Southwest Houston area, actually closer to Clear Lake area for years since well before the time I got into pottery. Great group of people. We hold two sales a year at the uh, Dickinson Historical Society. Oh. We hold a spring sale there, which is going to be the 30th of April and the 1st of May. 
Okay. And then in the fall, we haven't determined the date for the fall sale, but we have one in the one in the spring and one in the fall. Nice. And I don't sell on a regular basis. I'm just I'm not a go getter in that area anymore. I, I tell people when they ask me about that, I said, you know what? I retired for a reason. Sure. I said I don't want this. I already had a job. If yeah. I wanted a job, I could treat this like a job. And right. And when I was at Gander, right before I had to close there, I was hitting on all cylinders. I was doing three three lessons a day, six days a week, and oh wow, wow. burning burning at both ends. Sure. Yeah. And, and now you're just doing it because it's your passion. You want to share that with other people and get other people potentially involved with it, right? Yes. Uh, I, I owe that to Dennis LaValle at, at ACC. Great, great place to to go. But, yeah, he, he and uh, another potter, a guy named Randy Brodnax yep. uh, out of Louisiana, He they both showed me how basically how to interact with people. You know, when yep. Dennis, what I like about Dennis is you could go into the ceramics building at ACC, whether you're on the maintenance crew cleaning outside or the, the cleaning lady that comes in or whether you're the dean, right. of the, uh, dean of the college, he treats you the same. I mean, nice. Come on in, have a cup of coffee. We're getting ready to unload the kiln. You want to watch? You know, I, think, <laughs> I think I've met him a couple of times over the senior center because he does stuff over there as well. Yeah. So Yeah, he's just, uh, he's created a really, really, welcoming environment for sure for sure okay well so facebook is facebook.com slash don's pottery shop yes so anybody that wants to find you and follow you that's the place to go yes if they want to email you with questions can they email you absolutely okay so that's email me post to facebook uh i usually answer now (laughs) for some reason occasionally i can't find my uh, it'll tell me on facebook that i've got messages (laughs) and i click on it to find out what they are and they won't let me wow it's Facebook. Okay. it's me and i've you know i i gotta call my kids to say hey I what's understand. going on with yeah, this? No, I got you. well email is d williams at don's pottery shop.com and yes. then don's pottery shop dot simply book dot me yes all right and I also, Lissa started a web uh, site for me that's donspotteryshop.com. I'm not there as much because I'm not a uh, website chat. Yeah, I got you. And I she's busy. Sure. She is, she <laughs> she, is busy. She's got a sure. toddler and a business. For sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Don, for right. coming on the show. All right. Well, it was great talking to y'all. I enjoyed being here. Thank you for having me. If you're interested in sponsoring Creating Community, we'd love to talk to you. Our goal is to reach our community and let them know about great leaders and businesses that are helping to make it better. If you want to be a part of that, please email us at info at 1820marketing.com to start the conversation. Speaking of sponsorships, thank you to Texas Snowfruit and the Alvin Manville Area Chamber of Commerce for sponsoring this show. Learn more about them at texassnowfruit.com or alvinmanvillechamber.org. Creating Community with Dorian and Jake is produced by 1820 Marketing and is available wherever you get your podcasts. Show notes and more are available at 1820marketing.com slash podcast as well. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week.